All right, Chastin. Uh, we are still going to do the game where you pick a letter, but you know, just in case anybody hasn't listened to our secrets of Dumbledore episode, uh, we're, we're adding a new section into the game. We're adding a letter E. Uh, and so for the letter E will be, uh, when you choose that, we will be nominating a new person into our league of, of just good people that get to decide things for the rest of the world because they're just so good that they're allowed to do it. Um, we we've we me and Heather did like talk about a lot of people, but we're gonna scale that down now that we have Justin and we will build this fairly. So right now the only member of this group is Keanu Reeves. Because everything we've all heard about that man is that he's just the nicest human being probably to ever exist in the history of ever. So he gets to, you know, be council member number one. They all have the same rank, so it's not like he gets more power than anybody. They all have the same rank. Plus, they're also nice that they wouldn't fight over power anyway. Like, that's the whole point of this you group. Go. You know, but but Keanu Reeves is our sole member of that. So just so you know that, Justin, you do have that option uh, to you now and in the future. But I do know that we're kind of throwing it your way now. I'm, I don't want you to think you have to choose E because it's the new option. Unless you have somebody right away that you want to throw on that list. But yes, it's up to you, A, B, C, D, or E, Justin. Well, now that you've introduced a fun new concept uh, to our opening game and whatnot, I think I have to just put somebody on there. So I don't think a council, a group, uh, a stable such as this could exist without the rock on it. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So I'm going to nominate him to also be on the council because, I mean, why not? Like, the guy is just, he's, to me, I think out of every movie star right now, or, you know, just as it pertains to cinema, I think he is just my favorite person to listen to, to see tweets from, to see post from like every time he posts something it's just it's just something nice whether he's talking about some time he spent with his kids or he's talking about you know I was I did a late night session at the gym and I'm thinking about all these things you know what are you guys thinking about like anytime he posts something he always like not only talks about himself, but then he sort of like directs it to the audience and says, okay, this is what I'm doing. What are you guys doing out there? You know, what, what, whatever, whatever's going on in your life, just remember this thing or try to do this thing or, you know, do your best or whatever. Um, even his products kind of have a little bit of that, like motivation in it and stuff like that. Like his shoe like he he has a shoe out, you know, he's got this project rock brand workout stuff. And it's all like um, kind of a deal he has going with Under Armour. So it's all like Under Armour products. But I found this out when you buy his shoes, it comes with this little like personalized message from him. And who knows if he has somebody write these things or whatever the case may be, but it's supposed to be, a personalized message from him. And, you know, since his stuff is called Project Rock, like the the message on the, the one of the little messages you get with the shoe says, 
everybody is a project. You know, whatever you're doing in your life, you're working on yourself. You're working um, to do something. You, I'm, we, we're, I'm pretty sure you have goals. You have things that, or people that you care about that you live for and stuff. So everybody is a project. Everybody's trying to be better. So I hope that this shoe helps you do that. Whatever better you are trying to get in your life, whatever the thing is you're trying to do, um, I hope that this, you know, product helps you take steps towards whatever the better you is that you're trying to be. Just little things like that. You know, that's a little message you get with his shoe. So I don't know, man. I just feel like he would definitely need to be somebody that's on a council like this. So if you got nice Keanu Reeves, who's there to, um, share niceties with you and share a smile and things like that. You also need that motivator. You need that person that's also going to motivate you to get off your ass. So now we got that council member. So I'm nominating the rock. He's on the council. So, so Heather did mention him in the episode and I actually turned him down and said no at first that he wouldn't be a good choice, but I did have some time to think, well, I was getting to that. There was some more to it. It's because there is in his past some controversial things he's said and done and some of the people he's associated with and stuff like that and chose to defend in that nature. But where I did change uh, and I, I did think about it. I've been thinking about all the people we talked about on that episode since we did it. And I was actually going to reverse my stance if he did come back up. And it's just funny that it's just like, bam, right now. Because unlike a lot of people, when he has defended people that may be controversial, for whatever reason of maybe he's just their friend or whatever, he's also been willing to admit he was wrong for defending people. You know? Like he's admitted that maybe he didn't know all the facts when he defended somebody or something like that. And I think that that's a a good trait that while he might not always make the best decisions or defend the right people or whichever, he is willing to grow. He is willing to understand and he's willing to listen to other people and other viewpoints when it comes to stuff like that. You know, he's and I and that is a good quality of anybody. You know what I mean? Just the, the willingness to to want to listen or to maybe, you know, somebody might say something about a friend of yours. And then, you know, realize that maybe there's just something that you need to address with your friend in that friendship, you know, because a lot of it came out with about the, 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 the Joe Rogan stuff that came out a few months ago when he was saying a bunch of his bullshit and the rocks like, I don't know, guys, like Joe Rogan's a really good friend of mine and all this other stuff. And then essentially somebody tweeted the rock, the video of like, 15 straight minutes of Joe Rogan saying the N word. And the rocks like, I didn't know about this. And that's definitely <laughs> a bad thing. Like that's not, you know what I mean? So, but at least he was willing to yeah. he, like, he didn't just jump and go, well, it doesn't matter. He's still, you know what I mean? He was willing to just go. I'm listening. And this, I understand why people have yeah. an issue with him because of this, you know, you know, based on his friendship with him, maybe he doesn't still view um, Joe Rogan as a racist or whatever. 
And, you know, I can't tell The Rock, considering he is a person of color, whether or not he should feel like somebody is a racist. That's not my job to tell him what to think about somebody like that. But if he's at least willing to go, I definitely understand why people are against this now and against him now because of this. That's a fair quality in somebody you would want making decisions. Yeah. You know, and and like I said, this is the, the league of good people. And that's, that's a good trait listening and learning and growing. And it, it, like Jason was saying, like his whole mantra behind the project rock stuff of everybody's a project. Everybody's got to put work in. And while we all know the rock puts all like all kinds of work into his body, He's also willing to work on his mind too. You know, that's a part of the journey. Yeah. So that is why I was originally apprehensive against putting the rock as much as I love the rock. But I think, like I said, the things I thought about, and especially the points you made, Justin, I think, I think it makes a solid, he's, he's a very solid nomination. And I want to apologize for Heather for me, discrowning her original, bringing him up last week. I mean, we were just listening people. It's not like she, you know, did like you did and like gave a long speech about defending him or anything. We were just throwing out names. So, oh, okay. but yes, but I just don't want somebody to listen to that episode and go, well, Sterling said no last week. Why the fuck is he just like, yeah, the rock's great on it now. I have to put it into context. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Plus, wasn't he voted most likable person in the world or something like that? Probably. I think I read that article somewhere like, like beginning of this year. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. You know, and that's, and, and like I said, for all the, and especially a lot of the reasons you said, Justin, I mean, those are all very solid traits. Yeah. You want in this stuff. You know? Yeah. And I didn't know about the the Joe Rogan stuff till you said that, but I'm glad to hear that he did, after hearing that stuff, come back and tell the truth about it. But I think that's what I like about him is that it's not that he's a perfect person, but he definitely seems like a I'm going to try to do the right thing kind of person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't feel like he's going to double down on some bullshit. Just to not be wrong. Yeah. 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 So. Yay. All right. So we've got, I mean. Good selection. What was that, Heather? I said that was a good selection. So. All right. I guess let's put it to the vote. Are we voting him into the council? Yes for me. I mean, I'm assuming Justin's going to vote yes on his own nomination. Now that I think about yeah, it, like, I, 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 I was yeah. like, I'm sitting here staring at you on the screen, Justin. Like, all right, where are you? Gonna? I'm like, well, he's. Are you going to? It would be great if I just went. Nah, I'm not going to vote for him. You know, I just. <laughs> After all of that. Now, yeah, my question that, to that this is, does it have to be a, it has to be a unanimous vote, right? To put no, them in? I mean, I don't think we have to be unanimous. I mean. Okay. Just like two out of three. Yeah. Let's, I mean, okay. I, I, I think that's reasonable with this just because, you know, I'm a lot grumpier than you guys. So I, I might just be grumpy. I don't want to fuck somebody <laughs> over that might be a good person because I'm grumpy. <laughs> you know? Like, I, for all I know, Sandra Bullock can be a lovely person. I don't like her. And so I don't want to necessarily, you know, screw over somebody that might be a good person from getting on the list just because I'm grumpy and don't like her movies. 
or like their movie. You know what I mean? I, you know. So, you know, that I think just, you know, majority, I think would, would establish it, you know, just to safeguard against my grumpy ass, you know, <laughs> so. very self-aware. <laughs> I mean, yeah, cause we're just trying, we're just trying to make the best list possible. That's all we're trying to do. So yes, and I, I vote for him too. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we got Keanu. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So it's a good start. It's a good start. Yeah. Not a bad start. Now all we need is them in a movie together. Right. Let's yeah, see. When is that going to happen? Let's see. John Wick versus uh, Hobbs. I don't remember his first name. Why don't I remember his first name? It's Hobbs. That's all I know. So we need Wick versus Hobbs. Wick v. Hobbs. <laughs> oh man that'd be crazy we we say that but if you really went by like in universe rules and stuff like that john wick would kill him in a heartbeat i mean i don't i don't and i mean no disrespect to the rock is shaw but john wick would kill him <laughs> i don't know man that dude held a helicopter dude if you put, <laughs> if you put john wick into the fast and furious universe the man would be god you couldn't touch him. <laughs> I mean, he would be able to just fly. <laughs> Practically. Practically. You know, he's in a very grounded universe and he's almost un- unbeatable. I'm not saying he's not beatable, but he's in his own universe, which is very grounded. He's damn near unbeatable. You put him in a universe that cars go to fucking outer space. He's God. <laughs> I'm just saying, just throwing that out there. Um, oh, no, but that's that's a very solid first time of us doing this segment. So good job adapting very quickly to that, Justin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm all about good people. Yeah, you, you had a great response right away. Yeah, that was a very good one. I can't wait to like I can't wait to see where this list goes. You know who's not ever gonna be on this list? And I'm gonna tell you this now. I will do everything in my power to veto this ever. John Wayne will never be on this list. <laughs> Even though he's dead. It kind of defeats the purpose because you know he's dead. Can't really do anything if you're dead, but also he's a shitty person. <laughs> I'm sorry. I there's a one of the podcasts I listen to a lot, uh, Behind the Bastards. Um, this week started his series on how shitty John Wayne was. And I'm so excited to listen to that. I haven't listened yet. Oh, I bet you are. I'm just so excited. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that wasn't going to be a nomination, but you know. Oh, I know. I just love I. It's like me. <laughs> you just hating, wanted to say it. It's like me hating Ronald Reagan. I'll find a time to say it at some point. Anytime I just get to like <laughs> shoehorn me hating Ronald Reagan or John Wayne or Elvis into something, I'll do it. So I just, yeah, I love it. All right, let's start the episode. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. 
Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. We are finally all back together. It's actually been, this is like the last two weeks we haven't all been here. This is the first time in three weeks that we're all here, or two weeks. I don't know yep. how the fuck you would say that. Three weeks. And the first time in three weeks we're all here. So it's the first time in three weeks I haven't lied when I said, as always, this person's with me. <laughs> so, uh, why the fuck did I throw that in there? It actually threw off my whole rhythm and I don't know what to say like to finish the intro. Uh, as joined by Heather and Justin. Uh, this week we are going to be talking about the movie The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. We will talk about what we liked and like and everything in between with this movie. We will go spoiler free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler centric section with time codes in the description to help you bounce around if you so require. So with all that, uh, Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about the unbearable weight of massive talent? Starring Nicolas Cage. Um, well, I think it's safe to say this is probably the most fun movie I've seen in a while. Uh, I, I expected craziness. I expected it to be off the wall and funny, but it was just a really fun movie like every moment of it was very entertaining it it wasn't slow in any parts in my opinion you know it was really well paced it it just it had heart to it but it had these like ridiculous moments to it um i also i didn't know that i needed a pedro pascal um nick cage duo until this movie but i definitely do because they are great on screen together. Like I want a whole show of them together. I think they were so great together. Um, you know, and I think, um, I mean, Pedro Pascal is always good too, but just, I, I like seeing him on his more humorous side of things. Like when he's being funny and Nick cage, I think this is probably in more recent memory. One of my favorite movies of his, like, it's just, it's so outrageous and so out there. And so Nicolas Cage <laughs> in every possible way. But, and I think that's why it works so well because he very much is just leaning into the craziness of, of who he is and like who people think he is, you know, but making a good story out of it as well. He wasn't a writer on this, was he? He was just kind of in the movie, right? I don't think he was a writer on it. Yeah, he was just in but, it. Yeah. But I'm like, if he had written this, I think that would have been even more amusing <laughs> because of all the things that happened in it. But um, yeah, I mean, he was solid. Uh, Pedro Pascal, uh, Tiffany Haddish, like this is the first time I had seen her in a role where she wasn't just the comedic relief. Um, you know, I, I think everybody really brought it. Um, the wife and the the kid or the ex-wife and the kid, they were really good, too. Um, I think her name is Lily Mo Sheen, the daughter. It's actually Kate Beckinsale and Michael Sheen's daughter. So she was really good. Um, yeah, it, it was just a really fun, like you had no idea really what was going to go down fully. Like you could kind of guess a few things, but it really did kind of 
you, you didn't really know what to expect from really anything in this movie. So I appreciated that. Um, it was a fun ride. And the story was interesting. Like it had me engaged the entire time. So I think it was a really fun movie. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I definitely agree that this was a lot of fun to watch. Um, Probably one of the more entertaining movies um, I've seen this year. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think that this movie is probably, you know, we talk all the time about cliches and like things that, you know, concepts that you see in a lot of movies, story elements that you see in a lot of movies and different things like that. And this, I mean, if you really just like broke it down and just kind of like looked at the concepts, you're going to find probably a lot of concepts that you've seen in a lot of other movies, you know, um, unlikely person thrusted in a situation where they have to help the the government do something kidnappings and unlikely friendship duo pairs and bromances and stuff like that you know that there's a lot of stuff in this that is kind of run of the mill when you're talking about story elements and stuff like that so the story doesn't really do anything innovative in that way as far as like the story and you know what's going to happen you kind of know what probably how this is probably going to go uh as far as just how it ends and everything like that but everything is executed so well that it almost doesn't matter that this doesn't do anything inventive in that way like the chemistry between Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal is so good. It doesn't matter that you've seen this kind of dynamic before. Like they do just such a good job with the acting and everything like that, especially Pedro Pascal. I would argue he steals this movie like as good as Nicolas Cage is. And that that's really a testament to Pedro because Nicolas Cage was playing himself. Pedro still outacted him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would agree. I hate to say I it, agree. but Pedro, Pedro took this from him, man, and Nicolas Cage was playing himself. So I am almost convinced now that there is nothing that Pedro can't do, whether he's in a mask in the Mandalorian or, you know, and, and the, and he did great acting in that. And I couldn't even see his face. That was all mannerisms and just what he's a, him reacting off of characters most of which are cgi and he was great in that and now i see him in this and he is and he is side by side a person playing himself and he still just stole scenes just whether it was just the way he would react to what nicholas cage was saying or just even when the camera just let just did a close-up of him and just his smile his warmth his just the genuine nature that he sort of brings to this role. Like, I don't think this is a spoiler, but there are points in this where characters are asking, Nick, telling Nicolas Cage that he can't trust this man and that he can't, you know, and that there's something 
beneath the eye about this guy. And I mean, the performance is so good. You are in the exact position of Nicolas Cage. You can't believe that this is a bad person, that this is somebody who uh, that we need to stop or whatever the case may be in this movie. That that totally is a genuine reaction from Nicolas Cage. And I think it's because of the magic that Pedro brings to this. Like, and and, and don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that Nicolas Cage is not good, but Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage in this. You know, you he's going to bring... Yeah. You know, he's got that charisma about himself. He's got that way about himself. And this script is well written so that because you're dealing with an actor, because Nicolas Cage plays himself. So you're dealing with an actor and Pedro Pascal is a screenwriter. So it also kind of allows the script to be meta in certain ways. Like there's a line where a character goes, well, it's time to see how the how this whole third act plays out. And even though that that is the screenwriter talking about a screenplay that he wrote, the movie itself is also in the third act too. So there are so the movie kind of has a self-awareness to it that's clever because you're kind of dealing with a writer and a screenwriter. So it makes even like cliche things like car chases and explosions and kidnappings and things like that. But because the movie knows what it is, it executes it well and it works. Um, the other side characters like that you talked about, like Tiffany Haydish and um, the um, and yeah, the people that played Nicholas, like Nicholas Cage's ex-wife and like everybody is good in their supporting roles. Like I said, this is kind of a movie where because it's executed so well by the actors, the chemistry of all of the actors involved, and because the storytelling is simple, but it does it in such an entertaining way, you're not bothered by not seeing anything new. As a matter of fact, it just takes all of those things and elevates them with just proper execution. So like... And for me, that's like the polar opposite of something like Morbius, where Morbius took a bunch of familiar things and just failed to execute anything like this is like the polar opposite of that. And kind of proves that you don't always have to have something new or innovative to just be fun and entertaining. You just need the right actors and you need to tell, um, a, 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 even if it's a familiar story, Tell it effectively, and you will win just about every time. And this movie definitely wins. I think I'm going to surprise you guys a little bit. I actually just kind of, kind of liked this movie. As much as I'm typically all about like wanting the craziness of Nick Cage and all this other stuff, I found Nick Cage a little bit subdued in this movie. He wasn't full force <laughs> Nick Cage. He wasn't parts. He got some glimmers of it, but he wasn't full on. I just did a mountain of cocaine, Nick Cage. And I, I just wanted more. I wanted it to be amped up more like those scenes when he was talking to old Nick Cage, like young Nick yeah. Cage as Nikki. Oh, sign me up for that. Cause that was the bad shit level. I wanted the whole time. 
And then, you know, I was going to say, you got a little bit of it with the Nikki character. Yeah. yeah. Nikki's the <laughs> Nick Cage I wanted in this movie. <laughs> and I get it. Do I, am I holding Nick Cage to an unfair standard of, you know, wanting to be like amped up to a hundred at all times? Yes, I am. But damn it. He's the one that did this to me. He's the one that made me want it. Okay. Yeah. You know, there wasn't. I didn't just want it out of nowhere. He's the one that set the bar. Okay. And I, and I just mean that it, and that's, that's, that's kind of my biggest knock against this movie is how subdued Nick Cage was. I mean, I do agree with you guys. Pedro Pascal honestly steals this movie. I think every time, every scene he's in, he steals this movie almost. I mean, the emotional ranges he was showing the the comedic timing just everything like is he honestly probably the most like realistically like most like oh shit what was i gonna say like um like diverse actor we have like going right he's now one almost? of them i think so he's one of them he might be he might be one of the most talented actors right now that nobody is talking about or giving him those, those that kind of stroke. But I think pound for pound, he is. You know, you get into that pound for pound conversation. He's got to be. Too many good performances to not be. And even when he's in bad things, I'm never like, fuck, Pedro was bad. Pedro was absolutely yeah. not the worst thing about Wonder Woman 1984. At not all. You know, like his character was bad. Don't get me wrong. His character was bad. But he wasn't. When, when his character weirdly just fucking forgot about his child existing, Pedro did a good enough job <laughs> to make you think he did. Yeah. Yeah, just man, a bad how could you character. forget your kid, man? Having him emerge from trees. <laughs> you know what? Fuck off, kid. I'm doing this all for you, but fuck right off. But the thing is, is like you believe it though, because Pedro did a great job. Like, uh, you know, um, uh, 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 Kingsman, Golden Circle. Not it's it's kind of a step back from the first one, but Pedro was great in it. You know, you see him in Narcos and he's very serious. You see him in Mandalorian and he's very serious. You kind of see him be, you know, kind of whimsical and serious and not all at once with Oberyn from Game of Thrones. You get to see, you know, a lot of range in that. But then, like, I, he's just, he's fucking solid every time I see him. 100%. I agree. But that's also yeah. kind of one of my problems with this movie. This is the this should be the most unforgettable Nick Cage movie ever. And I'd rather talk about Pedro. I should never <laughs> I this movie is like the being John Malkovich of Nicolas Cage and yet for some reason I'm talking about someone else. <laughs> That's not a good thing. You know, but it's still it's a super solid movie. It really is. It's it's got some genuinely good like humorous moments. It's got some for for the type of movie it is, it's got some decent action set pieces. 
You know, it's got good humor. And like you said, Justin, this movie goes, hey, we are going to do every trope in the fucking book with a movie like this. But because it's Pedro and Nick, you never feel bad about a single fucking trope they do. Yeah. I mean, I really want to know how the CIA ever operated, like how they ever got anybody to take over countries and all the shit and the horrible stuff they've done throughout their existence. Because in movies, they always need just some regular ass motherfucker to come save the day. Yep. All the time. (laughs) I know the movie CIA, there could be a whole like conversation about that movie versions of things because yeah the movie cia is always like that they need well they're kind of 50 50 because it's either they either need nicholas cage to save the world or they have jason Bourne. like they either create jason Bourne or they need someone else to save the day there's never a cia in the middle (laughs) that's true huh that's so true you're right they have Jason Board or what's his name? The the Tom Clancy guy. Uh Jack Ryan. Yep, Jack Ryan or yeah, that that that's so true. Yeah. That's so true. They are either the most like perfectly run organization that creates death soldiers, or they're like, oh no, what do we do? Uh Nick Cage, I guess. And but it works in this movie. It does. Like their chemistry together is fucking phenomenal. Like there's there they're like there apparently there's talks about doing a face off too. As much as I loved John Travolta in the first one, does face off two not need to be Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal now? <laughs> oh yeah, oh totally it does. Oh man, that would be great. Or fuck it, have all three. Like face off to another face and Pedro's in the mix too. Yes, that. Like something, you know what I mean? Like I just, I, I have to, there has to be more Nicolas Cage, Pedro Pascal movies coming at some point. There has to be because they do have, and cause I want to see them do anything. You know what I mean? I want to see them, you know, play like the the forced together buddy cop movie. I want to see them be the neighbors that hate each other movie. Every movie that's just got two male leads that interact with some way, shape or form. I need Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal to do a version of it now. Or like a freaky Friday type thing, which is essentially face off. That's a great idea. I was like, wait, that's face off. (laughs) Sort of. Yeah. But like there needs to be something like that. You know, there needs to be the movie where they're they're brothers and they hate each other, but they have to come back because dad just died. And they have to come back to decide what to do with the family business. And, you know, Nicolas Cage is resentful for Pedro Pascal running off to follow his dreams when he was just stuck running the business and taking care of dad. But then they come together in the end. I need that movie with them. (laughs) You know, I need the movie where they're just best friends, but they fall in love with the same girl and hijinks ensue. All of them. I need a version of Batman and Robin with them. (laughs) 
Or your favorite Sterling, the This Means War movie? Yeah, I do. I, I want them to remake This Means War with Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I mean, they really are. They, they Their chemistry together was just kind of just weirdly on a different level. Like, I know, like you guys have said, like Nicolas Cage is playing a version of himself. But... In like based on like a lot of interviews I've seen with Pedro Pascal, it kind of felt like he was semi playing a version of himself. You know, I would not at all be surprised if he actually had an obsession with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, because he's he's just kind of silly. Like Pedro Pascal is just kind of a silly person when he's like being interviewed and stuff like that. And, you know, you can see lots of that come out in this movie. Uh and and I, I also want to champion this movie, too, because, you know, we've been doing a movie podcast for a very long time now. And I don't know how often it's ever happened to you guys. But, you know, you might be talking to somebody new or something and somebody, you know, like tangentially always mentions like, oh, yeah, they do a movie podcast or something like that. And the other the person that you barely know or you're just meeting for the first time always goes, oh, yeah, what's your favorite movie? And like, that's just the most fucking impossible ass question to ever fucking answer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I love it whenever they, he asked Nicholas Cage that and he's just like, oh my God, that's the worst. He's like, it depends on the season, the mood, like this and that. And I'm like, no, it's very true. Like, you can ask for like my favorite movie this year, maybe my favorite movie of the last couple of years, you know, um, it's a little bit easier if you go, what are your top three movies? That's still just almost insanely difficult, though. I mean, when we started doing the essentials list, and it's like, all right, guys, pick your top 20. My fucking list is like 60, and I had to whittle it down to 20. Yeah. Yeah. It was very difficult. <laughs> it's so fucking hard. And I like that, like, Nicolas Cage like had the same attitude I have about it. And I kind of just appreciated that they showed the trials and tribulations when you say you're like a quote unquote cinephile or a movie lover or something like that. How terrible that question is. Right. Because it just, it doesn't work. It's so hard. But then I also do appreciate the list they give in this movie. Like I like how Peter Pascal is like, well, my first movie's, you know, face off. That's That's a solid choice. Don't get me wrong. And then there's that other movie that Nicolas Cage loves that it kind of sounds like he just said it because he knows Nicolas Cage loves that movie. I don't even remember what that was. Like the Sanctorium of Sangria or whatever the fuck it was, a random German film. Something about Captain something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And and then I just, one of the most delightful scenes in this movie is like, well, what is your third movie? And it's like Paddington uh, 2. And Nicolas Cage is like, what the fuck and all this other stuff. And he's like, that can't be it. And blah, blah, blah. And he's like, have you ever seen it? And then he watches it and he's just like, Oh no, that's fabulous. Like, it's just a darling little film. And I appreciated that moment because to me, it kind of speaks to what I've been saying for years now about Paddington too. That it's just this weird movie that no matter who you are, I feel like it can connect with you on some level. So even if you're like the deepest of cinephiles and you're like, no, it has to be this. And like all these ridiculous ass standards, I kind of think Paddington can meet them. I really do. Or you can be just some hard ass motherfucker that's like, no, if it's not nothing but blood and death and blah, blah, blah. I still think Paddington can hit you. 
I do. <laughs> I think it's got that that type of universality to it. I, so much so that I just made up a word. And I love that this movie tapped into that and mentioned that and brought it up. And I think, like like both of you guys said, the supporting cast in this movie is just a very good mixture of 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 people. You know, you have Tiffany Haddish and the guy that plays her uh, CIA partner, who's typically in a lot of comedies, like he was in the Neighbors movies, he was in uh, Cock Blockers. He does a lot of comedy and stuff like that. And they were very good. They had a very good dynamic. I liked, and then I liked their dynamic with Nicolas Cage. And then the, the woman that plays his ex-wife, I thought they, they had a great chemistry of, they really came across, like, I actually had to go look it up to go, was that his actual ex-wife? I did too. Yeah. I did the same thing. Because they had a good chemistry of, they used to love each other and it's not that they fell out of love. It's just their love evolved into something different. Like they loved each other, but weren't in love with each other type of, of, of relationship. It felt, it felt genuine. They did such a good job of having that dynamic of she loved Nick, but was also fucking tired of Nick. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and Kate Beckinsale and Michael Sheen's daughter, Lily Sheen, she did a fantastic job too of, of playing the daughter. And, you know, I really liked their dynamic of he had kind of romanticized a version of her in his head. And I, I mean, maybe romanticized is the wrong word, but just he had kind of made up a father daughter dynamic that only existed to him. And his daughter, yep. he had like put his own mentality onto his daughter and didn't really want to acknowledge a, 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 to who she was becoming as her own person and all these things. And the, the dynamic they had of the troubles with that, I thought was great. They had a really interesting dynamic with that and it came across very good. But then I liked how it evolved throughout the 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 time frame of the movie you know like the they're they're growing understanding of each other and all those things i thought that that was done really well and also i liked that they used paddington too to seal the deal of their relationship and where it had grown to paddington too full circle in this motherfucker and that's a fantastic (laughs) thing but in the end i just wanted more crazy nick cage though I got, I got, I just, I got a little bit of normal Nick Cage. I wanted more. I wanted crazier Nick Cage. I wanted him to fight somebody with a sword at some point. I just feel like this movie needed a sword fight with Nicolas Cage and somebody going, Nicolas Cage, do you know how to use a sword? And he goes, I learned about it in this movie. And it's just him doing like movie sword fighting. Not actually like anything that'd be useful with the sword, but it would look great on camera. Oh, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> but the 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 thing I, I think, the last thing I'll say about this movie is I, I read a quote recently from Nick Cage or, or saw an article with a quote from him in it that they were talking to him about kind of all the crazy bad movies he's done over the years. And he's just been doing a ton of movies and stuff like that. 
And he was like, yeah, well, I was in a lot of debt. Like, I owed a lot of money, like, and all this stuff. He's like, you know, I had led a pretty crazy lifestyle and done all this stuff. He's like, I had a lot of debt. I had, you know, I had to just make money. He's like, but no matter how bad the movie was or anything like that, you can never say that I didn't give 100% of myself with every role I did. And I go and look at it and I'm like, no, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. He, he, regardless of whatever shitty movie it was, he gave himself. Like, I mean, me and Justin famously did uh, Prisoners of Ghostland. Or Ghosts of Prison. <laughs> oh, whatever the fuck the name of the movie was. I'll be damned if it's not true. Ghostland. I mean, he 100% acted his ass off. Now, that was kind of some cocaine up Nick Cage, and I loved it. But then also the movie was, the movie was on a little too much coke, though. Nicholas Cage was on a good <laughs> yeah. amount of coke, but the rest of the movie, oh my God. The rest of the movie kind of OD'd on cocaine like nine times over. But I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. And, and, and I think that's fair. That's a fair assessment of it. You know, you might do some shitty movies, but are you being a shitty actor in them? Are you being a, you know, and all this other stuff. And I mean, to Nick Cage's credit, he wasn't. And that's also kind of why I'm, I guess, in a way, willing to still watch Nick Cage movies. You know, there's a lot of actors that kind of went downhill. And you stopped giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, kind of like uh, Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. When he started going downhill, you stopped giving him the benefit of the doubt. After he did like Boat Trip and Snow Dogs, you just. You didn't go like, oh, this is a slump. You just went, nah, this man <laughs> lost his damn mind. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and let's not forget, Nicolas Cage is an Oscar-winning actor. Oh, he is, but so was Cuba. I mean, that was the kind of the point with it. That's also true, yeah. You know, but like with Nicolas Cage, it's... Yeah, I think that that's kind of the endearing thing about him. It might be a bad movie, but fuck, you get some Nick Cage. And sometimes that's all you need. You just need a what little... is it in Brooklyn Nine-Nine when he's like, the dude's got range. Yeah, yeah he, does. he does. You know, and like, and I thought it was, they were bringing up some Nick Cage deep cuts in this movie. Like, they're just movies I have completely forgotten that Nick Cage ever did. Yep. You know. And I mean, it just, and the, it, I think this movie did a good job of while the Nicolas Cage character in the movie might not be the Nicolas Cage I wanted, this movie did do a good job of showcasing kind of why Nick Cage is an endeared figure in movies. So, uh, recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations? And score. Uh, Justin, go. Yeah, it's going to be a recommend. It's it's a fun movie. It's entertaining. I think you'll laugh at a lot of the jokes. You'll laugh at the dynamic with Pedro and Nicolas Cage. And like I said, it's a simple premise. I mean, you you. it's one of those movies where you walk out satisfied. You walk out with a smile on your face and you're like, huh, 
I'm I'm glad I watched that. You know, I, I enjoyed that. That was a fun time at the movies. And sometimes that's what people want. You know, everybody watches movies for different things. You know, some people watch for the technical execution and the cuts and the cinematography. But uh, but but a vast majority of people just want to know, will I have a good time? watching this movie. You know, some people don't need life lessons or motivations or anything like that. They go strictly for the entertainment value. And that's what they want to know if they're getting or not. That's what they want to pay for. That's what they want to experience. And if that's what you're looking for, this is definitely the movie for you. It's going to have all of that. You will laugh. It is fun. It's, it's a fun premise. Um, And even though, like we said, it's got a lot of familiar tropes and a lot of familiar things, everything is done well to where you'll be invested till the end. And like I said, you'll walk out with a smile on your face. So with that being said, we're going to go with, um, we'll go with 85, um, jumps off a cliff when you really didn't know just how far down the water was out of a hundred uh heather what about you yeah i echo mostly everything that jason said it's it's fun it's funny it's it's different i mean and and while i do agree with you jason about you know you know where this movie is going to go but i think that just the little the little journeys that get them to the end point is what you just don't know necessarily what to expect and that was kind of the fun part of the ride with it so while, yeah, it is predictable, the the steps getting to the predictable were not predictable, if that makes sense. <laughs> but in either case, it, it's just, it's entertaining. You want to know what's going to happen. Um, you want more of this duo. Um, yeah. And, and I think Sterling said it best with like, this movie shows you why people love Nicolas Cage, why he is a, you know, a staple in Hollywood in a sense and why, you know, he has this this following of people who just absolutely love him. Like you, you totally get why when you watch this movie. And um, I, I just appreciated the way that he he might have been subdued, but he was still he was still himself, you know. And I appreciated the way that he approached doing this movie, knowing that it was basically about him. <laughs> like it was just very very meta, but very cool at the same time. Um, yeah, and Pedro Pascal was amazing. Yeah, it, it's it's entertaining. You've got action, you've got comedy, you've got a little bit of heart in there. It's just very good. It's got a lot of stuff for a lot of different people. And um, yeah, I think it it's definitely worth watching. Um, I actually was going to give it the same score. Um, I'm going to give it 85 golden guns uh, guarded by a fake Nick Cage out of 100. I just needed more coked up Nick Cage. If I had gotten that, it, it would have been damn near perfect. But <laughs> it, but it, it kind of like this. This movie, in a lot of ways, shows a lot of reasons why we like what we do in movies. You know, this shows kind of why the buddy cop genre worked for so long in so many different facets. Whether or not it was a drama or a comedy or anything like that, like this movie kind of encapsulates why that works and why those tropes aren't necessarily a bad thing. 
because all those movies are about ultimately is just the dynamics between your lead characters. You know, that's at the heart of those movies. That's what they're about, you know, and this movie encapsulates that it's, it's this, this whole movie is based around the relationship between Nicolas Cage's character and Pedro Pascal's character. And, and, you know, they have relationships with other people and all this other stuff, but ultimately the movie hinges on that. And when you have that good relationship, it's hard to then turn around to make a bad movie. I don't want to say it's impossible because we've seen movies where it should have been a knockout with the, you know, the, the chemistry between your two leads or whatever should have been a knockout. And it just wasn't, you know, we've seen it, so it can happen. But like this movie gets why people like it. And they put that relationship kind of in the forefront. And that's what makes all these things, all these scenes that you've seen before and all this other stuff. It's why they work in this. Because the dynamic between the two leads works. You know? And that's why tropes and 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 cliches and things like that aren't necessarily a bad thing. Because when they work, it's fantastic. It's when they don't work that you actually kind of more notice them when you get annoyed by them. It's when they're bad. But when they work, they just feel good. And it's because there's that sense of the familiar and the sense of the new at the same time with them. And that's, and that's what Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage were able to expertly do in this movie. You know? And oh, I just wish it was amped up a little bit. Oh, God. Like I said, Nikki, Nikki, Nick Cage in this was fucking fantastic. Oh, who loved every one of those scenes. Uh, but uh, this, I will, I'll give this movie uh, 78. 78, Nick Cage is a good smoocher out of 100. Uh, spoilers? Yep. Yeah. Spoilers. Oh, that was a fantastic scene in this movie when he kisses himself and then just starts yelling, Nick Cage is a good smoocher. Oh, I loved that. Uh, apparently also that was just something he came up with on the spot too. That wasn't in the script. That's just something I believe that. Nick Cage did. It was like a Nick Cageism. Um, how did you guys feel about the de-aged Nick Cage scenes? I mean, you could definitely tell that, yeah, it, it it wasn't the best looking, but it wasn't bad. I've seen worse. It wasn't Robert De Niro or anything, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, uh, but to your point, I think those scenes where he's talking to his inner younger self was really funny, but also a little bit profound in a way. Like it was kind of cool. I liked it. I was I was waiting for your opinion, Justin. Okay, sorry, it paused or something, and then yeah, it skipped. So I thought she was still talking. Um, no, I, I think um, even though you could, you know, tell that it was de-aged and everything like that, it almost felt like a lot of it was on purpose. It kind of helped the comedic effect of it all. Because Nikki was so outlandish and 
just so like aggressive and stuff like that. So it did feel like this part of Nicolas Cage that, you know, it, it, it did, it felt like it hit the right buttons for me. You know, I knew what he looked like, but I don't think it needed to look necessarily better. I don't know if it looking better would have, I don't know if that would have helped the effectiveness of it or if he had just done those scenes himself. Like if it was just him with no de-aging playing the part of Nikki, I don't know. I, I don't know if it would have been more effective than what we got. You know what I mean? I don't know if the appearance, I think the way that it looked helped the over-the-top performance of it all. I, get I that. think it kind of helped yeah. it in this in this situation, in this scenario, because if he's picturing himself or this version of himself, m- maybe that is how he pictures himself looking. You know, I could see that too. Maybe he would picture himself looking like this young strap and just full of energy, like, oh, it's all about you and it's all about me and you, you, you're you a star, man, and you're going to act, you got to act like a big star and all this stuff. You know, you, you you could see this version of him being this, this, the opposite of everything that he is. It was like all those insecurities he has, like his age, how he feels about acting, his decline. Am I as big of a star as I think I am? And then on this side, you have this version of him that is none of those insecurities. He's young. He's excited. He's energetic. He's like, oh, I'm a big movie star. You need to be this way. So I think the appearance fits in that way. I like the fact that, A, it wasn't distractingly bad. Yeah, that helps. But I liked that the effect of the de-aging and, you know, the obvious fakeness of it added a slightly animated appearance to him, which was amplified by the fact that young Nick Cage was kind of over the top animated, you know, like with his personality. So it it, to me kind of enhanced it a little bit just because there was, like I said, a slight animated quality to it. And I think that that kind of enhanced those moments because of, like you said, Justin, he was just kind of going balls to the wall, you know, just no insecurities, anything. And Yeah. And like, it's kind of like how when sometimes when they want that vintage look in a film, or if it's supposed to look like it's in a it's coming out of a VCR or if it's supposed to be from a different time period sometimes people will add the 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 little tracking lines that used to appear like when you would look at like VCR old video and stuff like that you know how sometimes to capture the feel of that you will use a you you will the the look of it needs it needs to look more primitive in order to capture a feeling and a look. I feel like the feeling and look of this character 
was captured because of how he looked. That CGI de-aged look. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, like, it didn't look terrible. It was it was obvious what they were doing, but it didn't look terrible, you know, because while Nicolas Cage was doing both parts, essentially, with that stuff, it wasn't, unfortunately, to rag on Robert De Niro again, it wasn't obviously an old man being de-aged. So it didn't <laughs> look like a young person moving like an old man. Yeah. You know, like, that's my biggest issue with the Irishman is every time they de-aged him, he still fucking moved like an old-ass motherfucker. <laughs> like, well, come on, man. I mean, give him a break. No, I like get it. I'm not blaming old. Robert De Niro for that. He, he physically can't do any different. I blame everybody <laughs> that thought it was okay. <laughs> like, the worst scene in that movie to me is whenever he's beating the fuck out of that young guy. And I'm like, why are you beating him like you're a 70-year-old man still? You're supposed to be like 30 and you move like you've had four knee replacements. <laughs> he didn't even look like he had an insure that day. He was just, just uh, like kicking like the most <laughs> old man kicks I've ever seen. And they tried to de-age this fucking guy. And I'm like, you can't de-age oldness, though. <laughs> Like an old body is an old body. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, man. And they didn't do that. Like, and the thing is, is this one, it, it moved like a young Nick Cage. Like, so even if they ended up having a younger guy be the body double that they just kind of put the Nicolas Cage body over, that was the smart move because he could move like a young Nick Cage. You know, like it's, they at least did it smartly. To where it, it, it fit, it, it felt like that the dynamic of the young Nick Cage and the old Nick Cage with body movements, energy, everything. You know, they did a good job of, of having that dichotomy with those scenes. And, and sometimes we don't always get that. That's all I'm saying. We don't always get that. And so it's weird. You know, like you can de-age Robert Downey Jr. to look like he's in his 20s because, you know, he can move. I just, whoever thought, man, Robert De Niro sure can act like a young guy. That's the one thing you can't act. You can't, like, act typically younger than your body can fucking move. Like. Yeah. If you got an old body, it's going to move like an old body, no matter how good of an actor you are. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Because, like, I think about also, like, Morgan Freeman, you couldn't, you couldn't make him seem younger because he just moves like an old person. He's like 80 years old. Yeah. You can't be doing de-aging Morgan Freeman to be like in his twenties playing some basketball. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are some things that it can't cover up, you know, can't de-age the physicality. But I mean, like, for for example, as much as I didn't like the Gemini man movie, a young Will Smith, it kind of worked because old Will Smith still kind of moves like young Will Smith. So it kind of worked a little better, you know? Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, it looked like shit, but I mean, it, it can move. Yeah. If, true. It, it looked really awkward and weird, but 
you know, physically it made sense and it was kind of the same. I know that this is the point of the episode, man, but do you remember in that movie when they added the third Will Smith? Get the fuck out of here, movie. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway. I mean, I just, I want something to complain about more. And I don't have much to complain about with this movie other than it's not cocained up enough Nick Cage. So I'm just going to bring up other movies and trash them instead. Um, (laughs) But I mean, it's this movie. It was, it was a fun watch. I mean, a lot of people enjoyed this movie. I know you guys did. The other people in the the crowd with me, the the movie with me, they enjoyed it. You know, the guy that was like a couple of seats down from me, I heard him laughing a lot. You know, I'm not a very much open laugher a lot in movies, you know, so I, I, I don't want to like use that against this movie, but I mean, it was just people were enjoying this movie. You know, the people in the theater I was with, you know, you could hear laughs, all this other stuff. You know, you could hear like a few people like they'd do something and it'd be like a class, classic Nick Cage moment or something. And they'd be like, yes, or something. Or you were, oh, yeah, something like that. You know, you'd hear that stuff because that, that's kind of what you want in this movie. This movie is as much as you want anything. This is also you kind of also want it to be kind of a celebration of the career of Nick Cage. Like that is a part of the point of the movie like this, you know. I gotta say, I am surprised that you didn't laugh out loud with the, uh, with little Nikki doing his like yell that he did. Cause I thought that was pretty funny. I figured that was gonna make you I laugh. I think that was probably the one time I did like openly laugh in this movie when he's just doing the whole I'm Nick fucking cage and he's yeah. just <laughs> screaming it. Like it's not even a yell or anything like that. It's like a primal scream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, like I said, that's the Nick Cage I wanted. I wanted that the whole movie. I wanted the break of that Nick Cage to be when he was like interacting with his younger self or something. Like he calmed it down a little bit. I wanted just other than that, I wanted full on 200% Nick Cage at all times. <laughs> and it was just, he was unfortunately, he was like at 115% Nick Cage the whole time. You know, it's just, I wanted the 200, you know. And that's, but I mean, they still utilized the Nick Cage better than some movies. I mean, I was completely ready to watch Nick Cage and Jiu-Jitsu. And we got like a 75% Nick Cage in that movie. And I'm not talking about what he brought. I mean, they wrote only 75% Nick Cage in that. (laughs) (laughs) Like they wasted a Nick Cage in that. They did not waste a Nick Cage in this movie, you know. You got you got your dollar's worth of Nick Cage in this movie. I'm just I'm greedy and wanted a deal and I wanted double my dollar's worth. Cause that's just what I come to expect and want. Like I said, it's Nick Cage's fault I wanted that. He's the one that made me want this. And I say that, even though the last two movies he's done that I really enjoyed, he actually wasn't that. I mean, Willie's Wonderland, he wasn't full on Nick Cage. He didn't say a fucking word the whole movie. But it's very Nick Cage to do a movie where he wouldn't say any words. So in a way, he was very Nick Cage. See, and that's <laughs> the flip of that. Is That's the most Nick fucking Cage thing you could do. Though, yeah, exactly. Say a goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the most ridiculous movie you might have ever done. And you don't say a single fucking word. That is a very Nick Cage thing to do. But then also Pig, he's super subdued in in Pig, you know, 
Yeah. But he's always so fucking good in that, though. Yeah, Ugh. that's one of his best acting performances he's ever done, honestly. Yeah. And honestly, and like, that's the thing is like a movie like this, though. Like, this made me want to watch Face Off again. It made me want to watch Con Air again. It made me want to watch Leaving Las Vegas. It made me, or, yeah, Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. It made me want to watch uh, Raising Hope. It made me want to watch Pig. Willie's one. You know what I mean? Two. It made me want to watch great <laughs> Nick, uh, Nick Cage movies. So, like, that's kind yeah. of, I guess, a credit to this movie. It's like, that's kind of the point is that he is, he's that actor that, like, when you see a good Nick Cage movie, it, it just makes you reminisce about all those times that Nick Cage has just made a movie better. It makes you want to watch them. <laughs> a movie that would have been worth nothing at all otherwise. That is true. I'll yeah. give him that. Like, there's just something about a Nick Cage movie that, like, when you get a good one, you're just like, man, I need some, I want to watch some more Nick Cage. Like, I mean, and I, I like that they brought up Mandy. Mandy's a super good Super good movie. Uh, he does that movie with Selma Blair, Mom and Dad. Fantastic fucking movie. Like, he does he does all these random crazy things that, like, I don't know. There are movies I'll give a chance just because Nicolas Cage is in them. You know? Uh, Disney's Sorcerer's Apprentice. In any other existence, I should have never seen that movie. Because, honestly, that movie should have never fucking been made. I watched it because why it has Nicolas Cage in it. And I was curious. I was curious to see Nicolas Cage in that movie. You know, same with. Uh, oh, there's there's a, a drive angry, I think, is what it's called. Uh, Yeah, not a good movie. Why did I watch it? Because Nicolas fucking Cage was in it. And I wanted to see him drive angry. And you do. I'll give him that. You get to see him drive angry. <laughs> Uh, what was that movie he did? Was it was it Next or Premonition or something like that? I don't know. I watched that movie. I shouldn't have, but if I did. Why Nicolas Cage? There's something about the man. I'll fucking watch shitty movies because he's in them. And, and then I get mad about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm still mad about it. I'm like, man, Nicolas Cage, you tricked me again. But then he'll do something random and it's fantastic. And then you're just like, all right, I'll give the next one a shot too. And then you do, and then you're mad again. And then I'll do another great one. And you're just like, fuck it, pick a lane. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, and you'll appreciate Peacock even more for this, but they have like a whole list of basically like Nicolas Cage movies. Um, and like they're, they have it separated in genres. And in every genre, you have like, there's just a picture of Nick Cage and it says romance. Uh, action horror whatever and it has just the same picture of nick cage across like all of these little like um selected little types of movies you can watch of his it's very funny i was like this is clever i think it's a good thing that you guys did this the only thing i wished with that is i wished they had done different pictures of nick cage that actually would have been better just because right. he has been in so many different types of movies that like I want to see the many faces of Nick Cage. You That's know. That's true. Like, cause honestly, if they had done that or something like that, like I probably would have watched The Wicker Man again. And no one should ever watch The Wicker Man at one time. 
I think one of my favorite no. things about this movie is how he can make fun of himself in this. Like how he did the line. And I don't even remember what he was talking about. And he was like, oh, the bees, the bees. And he was like making fun of himself with it. And I just yeah. was like, this is classic. This is amazing. And I love you for doing this. It was great. And as, as shitty as that Wicker Man is, though, seeing Nick Cage just go utterly Ape shit at the end of that movie is one of the most fantastic things you'll ever see. Like, because Nicolas Cage at the end of Wicker Man easily turns up to like three or 400% Nick Cage. Because he is just screaming like every one of his lines at the end of that movie. And it's just, (laughs) it's a spectacle. It really is. (laughs) He's just yelling at everything. And it's fantastic. Like, it's a shitty fucking movie, but there is an episode of of Community where the character Abed, who's like a, a cinephile, like every TV show, movie, like that's his thing. And he's in a class, and the class is, is Nicolas Cage good or bad? And he actually goes insane from trying to answer the question. Because... <laughs> For every good thing you get from him, you'll get an equally bad movie too. And it's, it's, he's probably the most enigmatic actor out there because I, I don't know. I honestly, to this day, and I've seen him do fantastic performances and you've seen him be in some of the worst fucking movies you'll ever watch. And I can't truly tell you if he is a good or bad actor. Because I think it's almost unquantifiable because sometimes he is the best actor in a bad movie. He's never been like the worst actor in a good movie, but it's he's got this weird dynamic that he makes movies you never want to watch again. But he might actually kind of be good in them, but you don't want to watch them again. He's intriguing either way. I get what you mean by that. But yeah, like, uh, uh, but uh, no, the character of Abed like has a mental breakdown trying to quantify that, like that, that question, you know, he does like that whole scene that they do in all the TV shows and stuff where he's like trying to connect the dots and he's got like yarn going all over the place and shit. Like he has a fucking absolute breakdown to where he starts like doing a Nicolas Cage style monologue when he's trying to present his evidence (laughs) of whether or not he is. And then somebody actually also makes a good point too. One of the other characters says, well, you know, if you just kind of scream or or yell in varying loudnesses, you might accidentally get an Oscar too. And I was like, that kind of was a trademark of what he does. Hmm. I'm not saying that's all he does because we've started to see him, like I said, not even say a fucking thing. But that kind of was a trademark of his for a little while. Would be kind of yeah. yelling at different volumes. He could weirdly yell at a whisper, but he would be definitely yelling. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I could see that. I mean, and I kind of get that dilemma too, because man, for the longest time, I was so just like, wait, how did he win an Oscar? And then there's these other actors that haven't that I'm like, wait, how have they not? And Nicolas Cage has. Like, I've had the dilemma myself of like, what and why but then 
I think it's one of those where if you just accept Nicolas Cage for who he is, like it doesn't really matter because <laughs> you're just like, you're going to get what he wants to give you. And in the end, it's going to be more memorable, regardless of if it's good or bad, you're going to remember it above almost any other performance from someone. So it kind of makes sense, but I'm like, I, I get that dilemma. I very much get that dilemma. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why I'm just sort of, I guess I've always just kind of been in the middle with him. And that's why, like, I, I guess I'm just more of a fan of consistency. And I guess, you know, for me, I kind of rate actors based on their consistency, you know, and some actors or actresses, whatever, you know, that it seems like they're, they consistently are doing good, good movies constantly so that when they do do a bad movie, it's kind of a surprise. It's like, oh, like, where did this come from? And then, you know, and they might have one or two slip ups, but then usually they're back to a standard that you can expect. You know, there's something to their longevity of having these solid movies, you know, regardless of whether they were young, old, you know, they they have a a consistency about them when it comes to quality films and stuff like that, or they start producing good movies or they get behind the camera and they're still directing good movies. You know, some people I think you can say are good based on their consistency. And he's always been just one of those actors to be where like, I never know what I'm getting with him. And I don't know if that's, and I guess I could see how to someone, I guess it's in the eye of the beholder. Some people like that random shit. They're like, oh, like, you know, I'm going to put my hand in the bag and I wonder what I'm going to pull out. You know, some people like the Cracker Jack box factor that he has. And some people just, I want to know what I'm getting. I want to know what I'm paying for. I don't want to find out afterwards. You know, I, I like a little consistency, like, oh, I know. So he's one of those actors for me. I like to call a, I'll see what the reviews are actor. Like, I'm not going to just be like, oh, Nicolas Cage. Oh, I'm in. I'm going to probably see what the reviews say, you know, because I've been burned by him a, co- a, few, a few too <laughs> many times. So it's like, Okay, man, I like him, but I don't know if I love him. It's just, it just depends on the role. And it's, like this one, yeah, I I really liked this movie, you know, and he was perfect for it. And I do like, and I get that he's an icon and a celebration of him and stuff like that. But I don't know if I, but I've never been like a, that kind of Nicolas Cage fan, I guess. Like, I kind of get that I, too because it's almost like yeah. he can you can like him as an actor, but not necessarily think he's a great actor, you know? Yeah, because I, I kind of have that could... feeling about like no offense, and I love him, but Keanu Reeves. I don't think he's a phenomenal actor, <laughs> but I like him. I I love Keanu Reeves, and I'll watch anything How he's in. Dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, Justin, but yeah, I just wanted to say that. No, you're you're like making a great point because yeah, I don't think I would consider him great. 
like Keanu Reeves or Nicolas Cage. I don't think I don't know if I would consider them great or at least like, you know, if I'm listing great actors, I'd probably get to like, I'd probably get to a bunch before I name them. I feel like I would. Like if I'm listed great, like if great is like Meryl Streep and Daniel Day-Lewis, Nicolas Cage and Keanu Reeves are nowhere near that. You know but what I'm saying? Don't In get my me wrong. Opinion. Like I Keanu is definitely one of my favorite actors because I think he's the most wonderful person, but I don't think he's by any means the best actor we have. So yeah. And he'd probably tell you that himself. Like if he saw himself yeah, on the list humble. with Denzel Washington and Daniel Day Lewis and Meryl Streep, he'd probably go. How the hell am I on that list? Because he's humble. You know, he'd probably tell you that himself. Humble. You're just... I, his, I, his purity makes him above par, but I'm just saying, like, if we're going off of just, like, yeah, like, his... I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm just saying I wouldn't consider him as, like, he's the best actor I've ever seen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all I'm saying is there are two actors go... or Well, there's a few. But of, like, your older generation of actors... There are only two that I will go see a movie based on their name alone. And that is Nicholas fucking cage and Keanu fucking Reeves. Okay. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying though. I'm like, you still want to see their stuff regardless. That's what I'm trying to say, you know? And it is because of their sheer acting talent is what I'm trying to say. Jeez. Is it though? This is like troll all over again. I feel like you guys <laughs> sat here before we talked about this and we're texting each other and we're like, all right, let's personally attack Sterling about an hour and 15 <laughs> yep. minutes into this podcast. Yeah, that's that's that was the plan. We were right on time. Same Sorry, with Jessica, the visit. Go ahead. <laughs> you guys did it with Kroll. You did it with the visit. And now now you're just you're just shamelessly attacking and slandering the good names of Keanu Reeves and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I'm not, and not at all. Like I said, I love Keanu Reeves. I'm just saying. There's nothing wrong with being good at something. Not everybody right. is great. No, no, no. It's okay to be good. He's by it's no means bad. In some yeah, cases, exactly. Yeah, in in prob- in some cases, it's pro- it might be better to be good because at least you'll get more consistent work. You know, and you know more directors and people might write for you because you don't care as much or you you're willing to do uh different roles that these other people they wouldn't even ask them you know what i mean there's you know in in some cases you could argue it might be better to just be good and that's okay I, i don't think i'm downing keanu reeves or Nicholas Cage for saying I think they're good but not great. Now that that doesn't mean that they can't be great in a certain role. If the role fits them and everything like that, oh man, that you know John there Wick. are certain roles that I would say that John that John Wick that Keanu Reeves is great in, like the movie John Wick. He's great in that, but but I don't think that makes him necessarily a great actor. He's a good actor, but he's great when the movie is perfectly tailored to all of his strengths. 
You know what I mean? And, yeah. and there are just some actors that are like that, you know? I totally and get I that. And I think that's cool. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Like The Rock, I, the same thing. The Rock is good, but he ain't great. I don't think he's great as far as just like pound for pound pure acting skill. Now, some people might go, well, I think he is great. He makes more money than anybody. Okay, if that maybe so, if that's the criteria, maybe so. Maybe that element could make him great on some level. But I just think he's good. I think he's a good actor. I wouldn't say he's great. You know, and I think it, it is one of those where I think both Nicolas Cage and Keanu Reeves, they are very much like they they're themselves in their roles like kind of like the phrase you use sterling where you're like he's keanuing around like <laughs> no matter what he's doing you're like but that's keanu reeves and that's totally fine because at the end of the day i mean how many more people are going to be like i want to watch a keanu reeves movie than like a you know some other just distinguished actor like a you know anthony hopkins movie or something you know like <laughs> it's like at the end of the day who are you going to want to watch on a more consistent basis so I completely get what you mean, Jason. Well, that's because Anthony Hopkins plays himself in every fucking movie he does. <laughs> Don't even get me started <laughs> on that, man. I'm just, I was just using an example of somebody who's like, you know, he doesn't do these like, he he does a specific type of movie all the time where he's like, he's he's kind of like an Oscar bait movie person, right? And Keanu is not because he's like, I just want to make movies that are going to be fun that I like. And that's what he does. And he's, he does it the best, you know? I'm just saying, I feel betrayed by you guys. Oh boy. That's all I'm saying. Um, but no, I, I, I get what you're saying though, about like, especially like Nicolas Cage where his movies are a grab bag, you know, for every, you know, unbearable weight of massive talent, you get a, a gone in 60 seconds. I know that movie weirdly has a cult following to it, but let's be real. That movie sucks. <laughs> it's, it sucks hard. Like it's a bad movie, you know? I mean, but that's the thing is I think more so than a lot of actors, I'm always willing to go down those bad movie holes with Nicolas Cage. Like, have you guys watched Season of the Witch? With Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Nah, it's nope. not a good movie. But I've watched it. Because I was like, well, let's see what Nicolas Cage is getting me into this Saturday afternoon. And I watched it. You know, I, and I think <laughs> that that's kind of the fun with him. Is it's kind of a roulette. It's just a, I go, okay, this is a Nick Cage movie. Does he hate me or love me today? Let's find out. <laughs> that I've watched those movies. I've seen an absurd of amount of Nicolas Cage movies. Like looking back, I just looked at his IMDb. Not only has that man also been in so many fucking movies, but like I'm like looking through it and I'm like looking at his award nominations and stuff like that. And the amount of Razzies that man has been nominated for is astounding. <laughs> I think the only thing more <laughs> astounding than that is the number of those movies that I have actually watched that he was nominated for a Razzie for. I think I've seen all of them. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I sitting here going, yep, saw that movie, saw that movie. I'm like, I've seen fucking all of them. 
I've seen more of his Razzie movies, I think, than I've technically seen some of the movies that he's been nominated for actual awards for. But then, like, I think that that's the crazy thing about him, too, is, like, with all these nominations for being a shitty actor that he has, he's also, when he gets nominated for, like, an actual acting award, so many people nominate him for that shit. Like, technically, just the sheer amount of nominations, like, he had for Pig. I think technically he was nominated for like 40 different acting awards for pig. Now some of them are small cause it's like the Minnesota tribune award or like acting award, you know, but, but it's still, it's like, he's nominated for all, like all these places saw pig and went, fuck, that's fantastic. You know? And then I do think it's crazy that like you do have all these places who do watch a lot of movies and all this other stuff. And, they all like are like, oh my god, Nicolas Cage was amazing and pig, and then you don't actually get anything. Like, there's no Oscar buzz out of something like that, you know. And I'm not yep. saying I'm just saying that it's kind of funny that even these small things are nominating him for it and stuff like that. And then when you get down to it, it's still something like that still doesn't get nominated. And I think that that's like if anything that should have been nominated for at least something because like I do think that that. His performance in Pig is right up there with his performance in Leaving Las Vegas. You know, like I don't, I mean, granted, I haven't watched Leaving Las Vegas in a little while. But, I mean, he's incredibly powerful in that movie. You know, like thematically and everything. And I think, I think Pig kind of touches on some of those aspects too. Because he was very much all in that movie with with everything that you want from an acting performance like that and it's i think it's funny that partially because it's nicholas cage i think maybe parts of it were overlooked because of the grab bag uh quality to his career i think that that is slightly held against him at times now yeah and that's unfortunate but that is kind of just the nature of I think just that's just the way we do it as human beings in general. It's like that basketball player who has that amazing, you know, uh, th- there could be this basketball player and he has these amazing nights where he is just where he was just the absolute best player. And it was like, oh, man, what a performance. He he scored 60 some points and he had this many rebounds and he did all this. And man, he was great that night but if you aren't consistent (laughs) throughout the season if you're not consistent every night if you can't do it for years if you can't win those multiple championships then it's just that one night you were great but that but that but that but nobody is going to say that you are just like one of the greats or a great basketball player, they'll say you were great that night, but you're probably just going to be a good basketball player. You know, Um, if anything, Nicholas Cage, Keanu, they're kind of like, you know, Jeremy Lin in basketball or like, you know, Mm. they might have those moments, you know, like, like Jeremy Lin, it reminds me of something like that where there was like, this 
month or two month period where it was like Lynn's sanity and he was playing so great with the New York Knicks and he was just like, oh man, you know, he, you know, and it was fresh and it was new and he was great player on the New York Knicks and he had all these points and stuff. And then it just sort of fizzed out and it was just kind of like, oh, well, you know, um, he's, and, and then, you know, finally it sort of rested on, okay, he's a good player, but he's not a, but he's not a number one, you know, he's not a number one guy, you know, those, those performances kind of, you know, so everybody will remember that time though, when, Jeremy Lin had those great moments, but I don't think anybody is going to, when it's time to say who are the great players, I don't think he's going to be mentioned. I feel like that's how they are. You know, there are these movies, this handful of movies where you're like, oh man, Nicolas Cage was great in those, in those few movies. Keanu Reeves is great in those John Wick movies. But every other time, it's just like, but most of the time, it's just good, you know? See. So I feel like that's where he falls. I would, you know. I would kind of almost say that Nicolas Cage might be more akin to, say, like a like a Hakeem, Elijah Wan, or maybe a Patrick Ewing, where they did enjoy a lot of success, but ultimately they didn't achieve much in the end. Like, I mean, Hakeem did when Michael Jordan took a break, you know, Hakeem was able to, you know, take the Rockets over, but Patrick Ewing was never able to win a championship. You know, everybody, yeah. you know, is always a good player, all this other stuff. And I think Nicholas Cage is for all intents and purposes, always there, always, you know, he's always doing his job. Now, it might be in a bad movie or whatever, but he's always doing his job. But he may might not ever achieve the success, the the type of critical success. Or in Patrick Ewing, I mean, I know he did early in his career, he did win the Academy Award, but I'm just saying he didn't always have that stuff. Maybe like a Charles Barkley might be a better example. Because he was, I was, you had just read my mind. I was about to say he's like Barkley, man. And I think that's a better comparison because Barkley is like, he's everything that Nicolas Cage is when you think about basketball. He's iconic. And he won an MVP. He's got a way about himself. People love him. He won an you MVP know. once. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and, and, and there were times where at his position, he was the one, he was the best. Or at, 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 at that time, at his position, there were points in, in in the NBA where he was the best at that skill player position. But he never quite was won the championships or the things like that to be considered one of the greats. But he is one of the all-time iconic players in basketball. And he's got a personality that everybody yeah. knows. Everybody loves him. He's going to always have work. You know what I'm saying? Inside the NBA, he's in a ton of commercials. You know, if you base it on all of that, you would never know that he is not one of that, that he is not like considered like super all time great until you get further down on that list. Now, he is a great player, but until you but what you're going to have to go further down on the list to find him 
you know. Yeah. I feel like maybe Nick, that's what Nick Cage is. It, it, that's a fair comparison. Uh, Barkley is a fair comparison. Like I said, especially with the MVP win, I think that that yeah. could be equivalent to like Nicolas Cage winning an Academy Award and stuff like that. Like there's always a place for Barkley somewhere, whether or not he was playing yeah. basketball, talking about basketball, or even fuck him playing golf is entertaining as fuck. Yeah. And he may not be good at those things, but you're always entertained. I think Nicolas Cage is the same way, That's right? Fair. Like, you may not like all the movies. They not, may not all be good movies, but just like Barkley is going to do Barkley things and you're probably going to tune in to see it, Nicolas Cage is going to do Nicolas Cage things. Yep. And, <laughs> and I thought of a, I thought of a great it. comparison for, for Keanu, too. Because I think Jeremy Lin's a little harsh because Jeremy Lin also went into complete nothingness. Ultimately, I think for Keanu Reeves, a good example would be Derek Rose because mm. Derek Rose came out out of college just there. And early Keanu, they were putting him in everything. You know, they're like, this is your like. They were shoving Keanu where Keanu didn't necessarily belong. They were just like, nope, Keanu, Keanu, Keanu. Then he kind of went away, like Derrick Rose when he got hurt. Mm, and then I see. And that. then now, like Derrick Rose has come back. He's put. He's. I mean, he's not always the most consistent now, but he's had some really, really, really good games. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's kind of put himself as a as just a, a solid player that still has a place in the NBA, and that's kind of what Keanu's done. Keanu's just kind of recently like showing us just kind of why the fuck he's still here. Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah. 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 It's not always the best movies here and there. Like, you know, this last matrix movie and stuff like that, but you know, but that's whether or not that's his fault is a whole other story, but you know, he's here, you know, and it kind of shows why people loved him. Like when Derek Rose sat there and then had like a 60 point game and you're like, that's why people loved Derek Rose, you know? Yeah. It just took him a little while to come back from his ankle stuff, you know, from, from when he hurt his leg. Cause that was, Oh, that was one of the worst injuries I've ever seen in a fucking game, but it took him a while to actually get back to way the, where he was with some of the stuff. And it just, when he did, it just kind of reminded you now, was he always, was he ever the, like, you know, that MVP candidate player again? No, but he's still in the NBA. He's still playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And still has some, yeah. And I think um, that, yeah. And anytime you see Derrick Rose do well, I remember those when he first came back and when he would have those 30 point games or he would have that big game, that would be all over sports center. And people would be like, man, look at Derrick Rose playing well. Huh? Doesn't that just put a smile on your (laughs) face? Like Derrick Rose just playing well, man, I'm glad he's doing well. And Keanu is similar in that way when, when Keanu's doing well, nobody is mad. Like <laughs> when, when the right. John Wick movies come out, you want, you want to go see them. And then when it's good, you're like, yeah, man, we on the third movie. It's still good. You know, I, I'm glad that these movies are still good. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then he's like, nobody's mad at Keanu. He's doing that bill, you know, like brought Bill and Ted back and you're like, fuck yeah, Bill and Ted's back. You know, yeah, played that evil, yeah. evil guy in, in, in Toy Story 4. And you're like, fuck yeah, Keanu's in Toy Story. You know, yeah. you're always just like, fuck you, yeah. You want him to succeed no matter what he's doing. You're like, just please, you know, do well, because I want you to do well, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah. And there's something to be said for that because that has some staying power. You know, that has some consistency. So you just, so I may not be putting you up there with Meryl Streep, but you still have found something. You still have something. You have a niche. You have a personality. You have a a charisma about you to where you have had some lasting, you have had a stay in Hollywood. And that's hard to do. How many people just fade off? Or how many people just, you know, had those few moments and then we just never heard from them again. So maybe you're right. Maybe the Jeremy Lin comparison is a bit harsh. You know, there are other actors that probably compare more to Jeremy Lin, but yeah, Cuba. So maybe that was a bit harsh on my part. To go full circle, Cuba yeah. pulled the Jeremy Lin because then he disappeared. Now he's in yeah. jail. So yeah, but there's something to be said for that. You know what I mean? And then, and these actors ability to keep reinventing themselves that might be more important than, you know, than anything else. You know, the, some people could argue that's even more important than just being great. Because maybe when you're great, a certain expectation is caught. People have a certain expectation. And so you can't do something that Nicolas Cage would do because nobody would ask you. Like, nobody would even write that for you, you know, in some cases. And then right. for, for Nicolas Cage, he's kind of got a pick. You know, he can do a lot more. He probably has a lot more options than like some of the greatest actors are still alive at the moment. You know, he might have more options. So some people might see that as a good thing, you know. And I mean, and to think about like how compelling he is that like somebody wrote a movie where he's just supposed to be himself <laughs> like you know what i mean like how many other actors really can you say that it's just like you are an interesting enough person as you are for me to want to write this movie about you <laughs> in or like a you know kind of dramatized version of him but still you know what i mean like there like there's not that many people that you can think of where it's like you know what this guy's interesting enough interesting enough for me to want to just write him into a story that I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And Very the, true. the funny thing is about both these actors that we're talking about, both of them recently have had kind of roles where they were playing a stylized version of themselves with Nicholas Cage in this and uh, Keanu Reeves in uh, always be uh, my maybe or. Yeah. Yeah. Where they Keanu Reeves is playing Keanu Reeves in that. And it's very much a stylized version of him and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that both of these actors, because of who they are and all this stuff, people went out of their way to go, Hey, I'm writing this specifically for you. Exactly. Like, because as much as it was like the point of having them be an actor and stuff like that, part of it was the mythos of them as people too, you know? Like I'm writing this for you as a person, not necessarily you as an actor in some ways. That's just kind of an interesting thing that that they've weirdly both also mimicked in all this. Um, I do feel kind of bad though. We have gone so far off away from that movie other than just talking about Nicolas Cage's career. (laughs) Are there any like spoilery thoughts that you guys also have about this movie? Because I think that I started the derailing of this whole thing and I, I, I just want to be fair to this and also go, 
Do you guys have any spoiler thoughts? Because I think I fucked all that a while ago. <laughs> well, I mean, but we kind of talked about a lot of the good moments in the movie and why we liked them. But I mean, specifically for me, one of my favorite scenes, which was kind of alluded to, I think, by Justin, was the uh, the scene with like where they're definitely um, not themselves in their right mind. So they're just like everything is so like they're so paranoid about everything. It's so funny. Like the whole scene where they're like trying to climb over the wall and then they realize they could just like walk around and just how dramatic they're being <laughs> about their goodbye. And it's seriously the most delightful thing to watch. It's so funny. And I think that is the epitome of, of what you wanted from this movie is just so crazy and so like stupid funny, you know? And that's really where you see that, that dynamic between them where you're just like, you guys could do funny. You guys could do serious. Like there is nothing that you two together could not do in a movie. And I just really, really liked that scene a lot. And I also just really liked it kind of like towards the end where they don't really tell you how the story ends, but they do tell you how the story ends because it, it just completely flashes to them having the movie about it and seeing like the movie ending of what happens. And I just think that's a really kind of clever thing that they did where they're kind of um, superimposing, you know, the the movie portion onto the the real portion of it because of who Nicolas Cage is. And it kind of like bleeds into his real life and his work. And I don't know. I just think that it was a really creative way to sort of end the story of this crazy adventure these guys were on and just seeing like everything that they went through and you you don't even really get all of the dots you know connected really but you you get what's happening and you don't need all those dots but just because of the way that they execute this film and what happens in it it's just so it, it's so clever and and I just love that they just go straight into this is how we're ending the movie of what happened with us you know, and then they, it kind of bleeds into each other in a sense. I thought that was a really cool way to end it. Um, and I just liked that at the end, they really ended up still being friends. You know, it was just kind of a cool little like you just root for them to still be friends because of how great they were together in this movie. Um, but yeah, those are the two things for me that I really just wanted to like talk about because they stood out a lot to me in this. What about you, Justin? Not. Uh, yeah, that was a good point that you made about how it ended, how, you know, he was, you know, pass me the knife and then he caught the knife. And then, you know, I like how they did that, too, like how it just suddenly we were in the movie theater watching it play out on screen. Yeah. And it was implied that, OK, he killed that guy and they were safe. But but it was a nice way of doing it than just having kind of a typical ending where you know they're all standing there and it's looking all dramatic and the daughter comes up and hugs him and all of that stuff but still playing with it a little bit whenever the the movie daughter goes i love you dad and then she looks at him and goes i love you the, the actual daughter who's watching the movie looks at him and goes yeah i love you dad like like knowing like in other words implying that that she didn't say that so still playing into the fact that it was dramatized for 
movie purposes. But at the same time, yes, he was able to kill that guy with the knife. You know, it kind of did both things, but in a fun way. So, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. That was fun how they did that scene. Um, and just some of those dynamics that that we're talking about with him and Pedro, just like you said, the whole scene with the wall and just how dramatic it got to take my head and all, you know, and all that stuff. And like, man, it was so silly, but they just acted so well that I, you just couldn't help but laugh at them. You just couldn't help but laugh. You just got the sense they were having so much fun doing this. And like Pedro, man, he just, man, he just played so well off of Nicolas Cage and just every scene, like he just brought such an energy to, to everything that was happening. And Nicolas Cage, you know, he's going to bring his energy and his charisma, but Pedro just was, he was the real surprise to me in this, just Every time they had a scene together, he would just say something or do something or his mannerisms would just, he just stood out to me almost every time. It was just something that he would bring or like before they jumped into off the cliff into the water and everything like that. And all of a sudden he starts acting because he's trying to get Nicolas Cage to start acting after he had told him he was going to quit acting. And he's like, you know, he starts acting out that scene, he's like, you know, we don't have much time. They're surrounding us. And, and like, he gives a look to Nicolas Cage, like, please start acting with me. Like, he just did, and like, he didn't say that, but the way that he looked at him, the way that he sort of looked at Nicolas Cage, he just had the perfect look of begging him to act with him. Yeah. So that he could see the power of his acting on display. And and Nicholas Cage did a good 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 job in that scene too. And then that part where he does the dramatic turnaround, and now you know it's Nick Cage, and then he starts acting with Pedro. That was a great scene, man. It was like yeah, that heartfelt was good. because you knew what was happening, and it's sort of I think that was like one of the scenes that just sort of solidified the chemistry and the relationship. And so then when they jumped off the water and everything. It, it, that was a great scene, like the the and, and the acting and the just the improv that they were doing and just everything that they were doing in that scene with their manner. They just nailed that scene, and that was kind of one of that was the scene to sort of establish that they're going to be friends. And so I feel like if that scene isn't nailed, that scene had to set the tone for everything else, and then everything else that ensued. We were along for the ride because that scene was just so perfect the way that they both did that. Yeah, no, that is a good point. And I also like the, I mean, when they're about to, <laughs> the the whole scene when they're about to go out to kill each other <laughs> and they like trade shoes or whatever it was that they did. And then, you know, like the whole, like they pull, they pull guns on each other and they're yelling at each other, but they're like, I love you at the same time. And yeah. it just was, it was so funny. Like it, this, there's nothing really in this movie that I could say it wasn't done well, you know? And I think that's, that's the fun part about it. Like, is it going to be, you know, an Oscar nominated best picture? No, it's not. But that's the point. Like you don't need that for this movie to be so good. You know, it's just really, it's easily an, a rewatchable movie. You know what I mean? And then you'll probably, it's one of those where you'll probably catch little, 
nuances and little things that you didn't see before that they did. And you'll enjoy it even as much the second time, you know? Yeah. One thing that I did appreciate about this movie though, too, was the fact that like the trailer showed a lot of moments and the film was good enough to not let it actually ruin the scene. Like that scene when they're at the wall and he's like, Oh, like, you know, leave me. And he, you know, goes to the other side. Then he just walks around and goes, Oh, I, we could just walk around that scenes in the trailer. You know, that whole scene is in the trailer. And just because of the way that they placed it in the movie and the way the story is built on either side of the scene and stuff like that, that scene's not ruined in the movie. It's still a good scene. It still works. Yeah. You know, same with the whenever they're pointing guns at each other and they're like, I don't want to kill you and I don't want to kill you either. You know, oh, are those my guns? No, they're my guns. You know, like it. It still works in the movie. You still do a good job of crafting everything else that, like I said, the scenes aren't ruined in the movie. You know, even the whole scene when he's like, how much did you pay for this? Like the mannequin, like the the wax statue. And he's like, like 6,000. He's like, I'll, it's grotesque. I'll give you 25,000 for it. Like <laughs> that scene's in the trailer. It's still a good scene in the movie. Like, because you see their dynamic together, you see all the other points around it, and it kind of just adds another layer to the scene that you don't get in just the trailer, you know? And so that's, that's a good thing about this movie is even the things that are familiar because you've seen them in the trailer, this movie does a good enough job of not making them feel stale or just, you know, cookie cutter within the movie itself. No, that that's a good point. And like and like we've all said, you know, the the movie has a handful of tropes. Just everything from like we talked about the whole thing with the movie CIA, the 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 kidnappings, you know, and everything like that. There's of of woman kidnapped and we've got to save her. The family comes and then you just know they're going to get kidnapped and they do. And it's just like, it's funny, like, you know, there's this big car chase, there's got to be this explosion, and there's got to be, like, um, it's it's just got all of those things in it, you know? And there's got to be that moment where they think each other is the bad guy, but then they make up. It's like all of the things that you feel like you know is going to happen all of those little things just happen in this. And I swear every single time they executed so well with just the acting and the way that it plays out that you really just do not care that, that, that you're seeing all of those things just whenever, you know, that you really don't care that all of those things happen. It just, the movie was just so fun because of those two, you know, so it didn't even, it literally did not matter. Like when he was like, no, leave me. I've got to face my, I've got to face my brother alone or whatever. You know, like, you know, there was just so many things that you've seen countless times in other movies. But man, 
they just had a way of of doing it. Even just that conversation, I've got to face my evil family member alone. Even that was a compelling scene because of Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. So I really think this movie is like a lesson in that you can have all of these familiar things in a movie, but if it's executed well, people will enjoy the movie. You know, you can see the same thing over and over again, but what's fresh about this is the two leads that just have that chemistry and that's the part that we haven't seen. And that's the kind of the part that uh, ultimately matters, you know? Yep. Yeah. And the, the, and the thing is, too, and I think a lot of that does go back to the fact that, like we said, it's it has a lot to do with their chemistry. You know, you know, they're going to have the scene where. Like Justin said, where it's like uh, they don't technically have a falling out, but they're both sent to take each other out. You know that scene's coming. I mean, fuck, it's in the trailers too. But because of their dynamic, it feels so good whenever they meet each other and they're like, I don't want to do this. Like, yeah, you you see all those lines in the trailer, like specifically it shows the line. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to kill you either. And it's a, it's a funny little moment in the trailer. But like when you see their dynamic in the movie and you see their relationship build yeah. in the movie, it's a genuinely good scene. Yeah. Because you feel it. Like you see everything right, yeah. that leads up yeah. into it. You know, and it's a trope. It's a dumb little trope. But it feels good when they do it. I mean, even then, I, I like how the action scenes didn't completely get out of hand either. Because the movie's supposed to be that it is actually Nicolas Cage. Well, Nicolas Cage has done some stunts. He's been in some action movies and blah, blah, blah. He's not really a trained fighter. He's not really all these things. Like, so I love the fact that the action scenes were kind of tailored around what would realistically probably be Nicolas Cage's abilities, except for the end scene when it's like, oh, they toss the knife and he just seamlessly catches it and stabs the man. But in doing so, then they take that and they make that into that's the movie version of an ending. You know, so then it's nice because when it does get slightly out of hand and possibly, you know, a little over the top with that aspect of it, they've then adapted that into no, that's what happens in the movie version of these events. Which is exactly what Hollywood would do in that scenario. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. exactly how a normal Nicolas Cage action movie would end with that type of scene. You know, that's how the Nicolas Cage action movie ends. So I like how that's how the movie ends with that Nicolas Cage adaptation of it. You know, that was just a very smart way of handling it. And then, too, I like how the movie ends with him and his daughter bonding again over Paddington, too. As everyone should. <laughs> it's a bonding movie. That's all I'm saying. So, you guys got any more thoughts about this movie? No. I'm good. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Or Facebook, where we're Cinema Slayers Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, where we're Cinema Underscore Slayers. Uh, TikTok, where we're Cinema Slayers Pod. I have started doing some reviews on that again. I recently just did one on the Easter Bunny Massacre. 
So my little TikTok review of that movie, because I was called out to do a review on that. So I did one. So that is on there. Um, and I'm going to start doing like random, just random fucking movies. I'm going to just start reviewing those on TikTok again. So uh, check those out. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Also search for Cinema Slayers podcast on uh, YouTube. You'll find audio only videos right now with episode 200 coming very soon, which we will go full video on. That will be our very special, very poignant, very episode centric moon night episode. So definitely check that out. Uh, Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers. Why? Because mothers love Nick cage. That is a scientific fact. There was a scientific study done in Sweden. They proved that mothers love Nicholas cage. Just take my word on it. I read it. It's in Swedish. So if you don't know Swedish, you just won't understand it. So just take my word on it. The Swedes say that mothers love Nick Cage. <laughs> so. And uh, as always in the TikToks and as I always end this lovely podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a best picture winner. I wish I... Try to do it. It was too. It was long. <laughs> and then it happens at the end too. They just like yeah. They just threw it in there. I think they just used it as a scene transition. <laughs> it just suddenly <laughs> you just hear that, and then it's a scene transition. Yeah, that was he hilarious. Says, I'm too. Nicholas Fucking Cage. <laughs> Which also shout out to him because a lot of people, and I don't know how many people don't know this anymore. I thought it was common knowledge, but. He's actually a Coppola. He's like Francis Ford Coppola's like nephew. Mm-hmm. And the very first movie he did, which was, I think, Fast Time at Ridgemont High, and he was Nick Coppola, everybody just kept talking to him about his fucking uncle. And so that's why he changed his name to Nick Cage. Which also, the cage he got from uh, Luke Cage, the Marvel Comics yep. character. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that part. And there was also some other, like composer that was also a cage or whatever that he says too, but it's a lot cooler that it's just, it's Luke cage. That was his favorite right. superhero. So yeah, that's where he got the cage from. So it's just a little tribute. And I like the fact that he was like, no, I don't want, you know, just to get everything off my uncle's name. Cause back in the eighties, Francis Ford Coppola had a lot of power. Oh yeah. Not that he doesn't now. It's just, I mean, you know, it's not the same anymore. It's just not the same. All right, I'm out.